0: and welcome to get flushed the portable sanitation podcast my name's Pete and I'm your host if you've listened to the previous episode in this series you'll know that get flushed is all about portable toilets and the people who do their business in the portable sanitation industry today's episode is sponsored by one of those businesses the abc group here in christchurch new zealand the abc group provides security fencing scaffolding safety nets waste bins and of course portable toilets I've put a link to their website and their phone number in the episode notes. So check them out and give them a call if you need to put up a fence or a scaffold or you need a toilet or skip. We've also started a Facebook page to share news and information about the show. Just search for Get Flushed and leave a comment or a message if there's a question or a theme you'd like us to cover. In the last episode we looked back at the history, design, manufacture and assembly of modern portable toilets and I also said we'd be joined by a guest speaker today. Unfortunately the combination of Covid restrictions and my struggles with technology meant that I didn't quite get that to plan out. We're still here from the guests but I'm afraid I wasn't able to get them to join me in the studio as I'd hoped. Now, before we start, I had a message from a listener, Andre, in response to my comments about chamber pots or gazundas. Andre sent me a link to an article on Radio New Zealand about his granddad, the last nightcart man in Nelson, which is in New Zealand. It turns out that in the days before main sewer systems were built, local councils here employed a night cart man, and it was his job to drive around at night in, I'm presuming an old truck, collecting up toilet tins from backyard dunnies or outhouse toilets. That was a cracking yarn, Andre, and I enjoyed listening back to the old audio. I've posted a note to the interview in the episode notes, and if you're interested, take a look or a listen. In today's episode we're going to look at what is actually involved in running a portable sanitation business. We'll explore the steps that you need to take to hire toilets to customers and to keep those toilets clean. The mechanics of toilet hire are really simple. You buy a fleet of toilets and you offer them for hire. Customers place their orders, you deliver the toilets and set them up, The customer uses them, you go back to clean them, and at the end of the job when you've picked them up, the customer pays their bill. Sounds really easy. Hmm, it's a bit more complicated than that. In New Zealand, operators need to apply for a permit to handle and transport septic waste. They need permission to discharge the waste, and that's usually at a council-owned dump station. And depending on their location, they may need resource consent, or let's call it planning permission, to store toilets in their business yard. They also need to comply with health and safety regulations and any local bylaws. Operators have to follow the dangerous goods rule, which sets out the requirements when you move dangerous goods by road, and the work time directive if they're driving a Class 2 truck and I'll look at those aspects in more detail in later episodes. And I know I say that a lot, but every time I plan one episode, I come up with more material, and before I have finished the script, I've come up with half a dozen more shows. Generally speaking, you can categorise toilet hires under five broad types. Residential construction, civil projects, events, agriculture, and public health. And I see those categories almost like the Olympic rings. And by that, I mean they're often interconnected and they overlap. I'll talk through them and you you might see what I mean. Residential construction means house building or renovations. And in New Zealand, the average house on a subdivision takes between 16 and 20 weeks to build. We typically see one portable toilet on site for the builder and the subcontractors from the beginning to the end of the job. Civil projects refer to larger scale or commercial construction and these are bigger projects with many more workers on site over a much longer period of time. Local examples to me would be a supermarket build, an office block build or infrastructure projects like the new motorways or roading repairs like we saw after the earthquakes in Kaikoura and Christchurch. Setting up drains and roads on a new subdivision might be an example of civil projects that actually overlaps with residential building. Events are typified by their short time span and their fixed duration, and these can range from small one-day events like family parties, larger occasions like a wedding or full-on rock concerts, or an event that spans several days like a cricket test match or field days agricultural show. Unlike building and construction, events often involve alcohol, and sometimes they attract really big crowds. Just imagine the amount of work that goes on to provide and service toilets at a huge multi-day festival like Glastonbury in the UK. Agriculture, whether it's crop-based agriculture or livestock-based agriculture, there's a need for portable bathrooms in remote locations that are not serviced by main drains and sewers. And agriculture in some parts of the world is a massive segment for toilet hire businesses. And I can think of some examples where the provision of portable toilets in an agricultural context is very similar to an event context. An example might be the harvest or the pruning in vineyards where you have a lot of people descend on the vineyard for a very short period of time and you need to cater for their sanitation needs. And the final segment is public health and this is a really broad catch-all criteria and it could range from a one-off hire from a plumber during a bathroom renovation which would overlap with construction to a requirement for extra toilets at tourist spots to cope with summer visitor numbers and that might be an overlap with events or it could be a response to natural and civil emergencies such as earthquakes or hurricanes which would be an overlap with civil projects. Now, I know that model is a simplification and there'll be some occasions when portable toilets are required that really don't fit, but it's a useful model because it makes it easier to identify customers and to decide if and how an operator can meet their needs. Operators may choose to focus on just one of those markets. Others will target all five and which approach works best is another discussion entirely. Today, though, I'm going to look at a business that hires toilets to just one segment, and that's residential construction. Andy Gao grew up in Shangyung in northern China. He came to New Zealand to study commerce in the early 2000s, and after the Christchurch earthquakes in 2010 and 2011, he began to offer and install security fencing. He called his new company ABC Temporary Fencing and he worked with a small truck from a small yard and gradually began to build up a business that's now known as the ABC Group. Now Andy speaks really good English and he's got a great sense of humour but he was worried that his accent might be difficult to understand and he asked me to tell his story instead. As time went on Andy bought more and more fencing and his business grew. Eventually he began to offer and install scaffolding. And with hindsight, that seems like a fairly obvious and logical progression in a city that's rebuilding after a series of major earthquakes. In 2015, he added safety nets, and that was because customers asked him to help them meet the requirements of the newly introduced Health and Safety at Work Act. From there, the company expanded into waste bins and skips, and in late 2019, Andy made a decision to add portable toilets to his portfolio. I asked Andy if we could share the ABC story because he's a genuinely good guy with a really customer focused approach. He realizes the value of each and every customer and has built a team that puts its customers first. And with that in mind, it's no surprise that ABC fences, ABC skips and ABC toilets are now seen outside new build homes on every subdivision in the greater Christchurch region. When I spoke to Andy, I asked him why he decided to get into portable sanitation. He said his customers kept asking him to do it, although his family didn't agree. We had a good chat about that and the old stereotypes that people see toilets as dirty and they don't want to get involved. One of my other friends, Abby, worked as a sanitation driver during a gap year before she went to teacher's college. She says she's a bright and breezy female and when she walked onto building sites, she would always attract male attention whether she wanted it or not. But when she unrolled the hose, started the vacuum pump and started to suck the toilets, all the blokes would run for cover. Andy said it would have been much harder to start with toilets if he'd had to start with a blank slate. And I wasn't entirely convinced by that because, after all, that's exactly what he did when he started fencing. But I absolutely understood what he meant. Selling additional products like toilets and skips to existing customers is much easier than launching a brand new startup from scratch. It was a very brave move though, because the portable toilet industry in Christchurch is really competitive. There are 20 different portable sanitation providers, all competing for work. And these range from a couple of large national chains with massive fleets of toilets, to a few local owner drivers with just a few same model toilets. And a new provider winning sales in that market typically means that another company has lost ground. In deciding which models to buy, Andy worked closely with Paul Mitchell from Shorelink Australasia, which is New Zealand's largest importer of portable toilets and portable sanitation supplies. Now Paul says the market's flourishing and more and more companies want to offer portable toilets. His stock's going out faster than he can bring it into the country. But that doesn't mean every provider will survive. Some are bound to struggle either because they can't generate enough sales or they can't control their costs or because, you know, they're just not able to meet the promises they make to their customers. If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that customers get really upset if their portable toilets aren't cleaned. OK, I think that's a good place to stop. I like to keep the episodes short and sharp, mainly so you can listen to them during your drive to and from work or your next job. Next week, I'm going to go hands on with a sanitation driver to find out what cleaning toilets is all about. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to subscribe so you get the next episode direct to your device and spread the word about the show. Tell everyone. I've been Pete, and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast.